I'm Steve Shapiro, and this is Experience Matters. Welcome to Experience Matters, the podcast that explores the life-changing childhood experiences that go on to shape our adult identities. Sometimes we experience breakthrough learning in schools, but often our most profound learning happens outside the classroom, sometimes outside the school environment altogether. We'll explore those powerful learning experiences here and think about the implications for how we can reshape American schools. Education can take many forms, but whatever form it takes, experience matters. Stacy Bell has spent 27 years as an elementary and middle school teacher. She currently works as a gifted intervention specialist at Maryland Elementary. Prior to that, she taught science at Bexley Middle School and has taught elementary grade students, including my son, Zach, at Cassingham Elementary School. When I ask teachers about the most profound learning experience of their youth, I get all kinds of answers, but nobody has replicated Stacy's two-word response. Owl pellets. That's right, owl pellets. And don't feel bad if you don't know what that means. I didn't either when she told me. But Stacy's encounter with owl pellets in an experiential lesson in her science methods class at The Ohio State University transformed her beliefs about teaching and learning. The shift she made in that single lesson has profoundly impacted the thousands of students who have been fortunate to wind up in her classroom. Here's Stacy's story. Stacy Bell, welcome to Experience Matters. Thanks. Glad I'm, to be here. Yeah, I'm happy you could do it. And we go back a ways. You had uh, my son, Zach, in class many years ago, maybe third grade? I know fourth grade fourth for sure. Grade. I may have had him as a third grader may as have well. Had him for two years. I, I looped with that class. Yeah. Well, I'm really happy to talk with you today. And what struck me in our earlier conversation was that all of this Experience Matters content comes from an experience that you had with owl pellets. <laughs> you said owl pellets. I'm like, I don't think I know what that is. Is that something that owls drop? Is that something that owls eat? I don't really know. What is an owl pellet? An owl pellet, um, well, Owls, they swallow their prey whole, and they cannot digest the bones or the teeth or the feathers. So they have this little sack in, the, um, in their digestive system where all of those materials go, and they'll just regurgitate it. So you've been teaching for a couple of decades, and yet this encounter with owl pellets <laughs> has informed much of who you've become as a teacher. It, it absolutely changed who I am. So tell, tell me about the experience. You're, a, you're an undergrad at The Ohio State University. You're studying to be a teacher. Yes, I was just getting ready to graduate. It was my last methods class. This was way back in the early 90s. And I wanted at that time to be a, a reading teacher. And we were in a science methods class. And one of my teachers came in and said, okay, there's something that I want you to do. And it's um, we're gonna, something you could do with your students. It's called owl pellets. And I sat there for a second. And I even wrote in my notes, I remember writing owl pellet, A-L, like, I had no idea it was owl pellets. Um, and when she brought those in, I was absolutely amazed. So so what does an owl pellet look like? Um, it's a round, like, thumb shape. Well, it's about the size of... Of a coin? No, it's bigger, bigger than that. Bigger it's than bigger than coin. that. So it, an owl pellet is bigger than a golf ball? About it can golf? be. It can be. It's a little bit wider. I mean, longer. Maybe like a, a small pine cone type. So <laughs> you come into this methods class, science methods class, and you're presented with these owl pellets. And what, what is the owl pellet to you at that moment? 
at first I thought, uh oh, this is this is feces. And the teacher said, no, it's not. And it's not vomit either. It's just something they regurgitate. And these have been sanitized. I purchased them from a science supplier. So it was wrapped in aluminum foil. She handed us a paper plate and some toothpicks and said, tell me, tell me what you know about owls just by looking at this owl pellet. Be very careful with going through it and pull things apart and tell me what you can figure out. So here you are, you're sitting with this owl pellet and you're starting to pick it apart and try to figure out what can you learn about owls from this piece of material? Correct. And what were some things you could figure out? I stumbled on these teeth that were really, uh, they, were, they were clearly a rodent and it, it just blew my mind um, and feathers. So my owl, when I dissected it, had eaten uh, some sort of rodent and a bird. So you were starting to figure out well, this is what an owl eats. Yes. And you figured it had digested the outside and the, the other materials were still in there. And yes. Vomits them up. Correct. And so you're getting to know an owl from this thing. And as you were having the learning experience, what was it like for you? What do you remember feeling like as you were understanding owls this way? It was so exciting because it was something I was discovering on my own. I just, I couldn't get enough. I kept going through and piecing it together and looking at uh, skull uh, diagrams to try to figure out what I was seeing in this owl pellet. I remember one of my uh, colleagues found a fully intact skull and it was, it was like the whole class went, ah, we all ran over there. And it just, I just, I just remember the excitement and thinking, whoa, wait a minute. This is, this is such a different way of learning than I've ever done before. Yeah. You were comparing that to what might've looked like if you were going to learn about owls, maybe somebody presenting, here's what an owl is, here's an owl digestive tract or something like that. You were comparing it to a more traditional? For sure. I, and, and I had so many more questions with this technique. I just, I couldn't get enough. And it was a realization at that point that, oh, science is not reading information in a textbook and answering questions at the end of the chapter. It's doing something. It's discovering. It's fun. Yeah. So it's, you were like lit up and, and in your class. I was totally lit up. And what the classroom felt like you're describing kind of everyone being in this experiment together, almost everyone being in mm-hmm. this uh, kind of exploratory stage together. Yes, it was wonderful. Just a lot of sharing and a lot of collaboration, um, dialogue back and forth, encouraging each other to, you know, oh, I wonder if, you know, looks like yours maybe ate this or that. And just I, just a lot of collaboration yeah. and joy. How did the whole field of science change for you in your mind as you started playing in this in these owl mm-hmm. Suddenly you realized science was something different. That was at the time I realized that I wanted to be a science teacher because I had never experienced science that way. And I really didn't like science. And I thought, oh, this is actually really interesting. And so it was at that time that I decided... I want to teach science. What do you remember of your own science education Mm. prior to that? Like when you said you didn't like science, like what was science that you didn't like? It was reading a textbook and answering questions. It was a lot of vocabulary. It was a lot of late night study that I don't remember the next day. I took the test and then I was finished. A lot of memorizing. Things that really didn't matter to me. 
you know, and, and I would never think that an owl pellet would matter to me, but when it was handed to me, it was, oh, this does matter. This is interesting. Yeah, it's funny because relevance is really important. We think a lot about relevance, but in some ways it wasn't even really relevance because you didn't know any owls no. or need to do anything with owls. No. It was just the, the inquiry. It was the curiosity. It was, it was the curiosity. It put me in charge of my own learning. I was able to ask the questions and it just amazed me. So this experience, you, you became kind of a scientist at I that did. time. I absolutely did. And in a way, I think about that because as a, I have a social studies background, and I think, mm-hmm. what does a historian do? What does it feel mm-hmm. like to be a historian versus what does it feel like to be a history student? And those are can be very different things. Just, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. In the same way, you, you went from being a science student to being a scientist. Yes. And that was the key. That's that's what did it for me. And And I never really had the idea that I was a scientist. I didn't think I was smart enough. Like, you know, you think of Albert Einstein being a scientist and I just, I don't know. It just something, something sparked and I wanted more. At that time you were close to being a teacher. You were, yes. So did this, did this recalibrate your whole sense of like what kind of teacher you wanted to be? <laughs> Absolutely. Tell me about that. Um, well, I just knew that I wanted my students to be more involved I wanted it to be about them and I wanted them to have questions that they could go and find the answers. Um, I was getting ready to be a student teacher. It was a second grade though, but I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, I could be so creative with these things and just let them explore. What do you remember as you think back to some of your early years of teaching? Can you remember lessons you did or things you planned that were inspired by the way you felt when you had your owl pellet experience? Well, Steve, everything was inspired by how I felt when I had that science. I knew that I needed to make to put it in my students' hands. And my first official years of teaching, I was a middle school science teacher. So that really helped with <laughs> with that. I, I always presented it as, you are the scientist. This is what I want you to do. I want you to design this. Um, here, what, what's this? What do you tell me about this? Uh, what questions do you have? What do you notice? That sort of thing. Did that translate into other subject areas as you were a teacher, or did it fit better for science for you? Was there a way to apply this to other subject Absolutely. areas? Absolutely. When I went to Cassingham, I definitely used that sort of inquiry method. Um, we do that a lot with books. What, what, what do you notice about the author's craft? What, you know, be a detective, see if you can find an idiom or a metaphor. If you think about the way that you're designing your lessons based on this experience you have with owl pellets mm-hmm. and the way that you felt about how you were as a mm-hmm. learner. How would you describe that feeling, that experience of being a student in that kind of a lesson versus the experience of being a student oh. in a more traditional lesson? I don't think you can compare them. When you are in a traditional lesson, you're, you're the receiver. And in, in a discovery type of lesson, you, you are in charge of your own learning. You, you ask your own questions. Sure, the teacher gave you something to inquire into, but you get to use your creativity and your intuition and become an independent learner. It sounds like the experience of being a teacher in that setting is really different as well. I mean, you're moving away from sort of being responsible for the material and the conveyance of information. Yes, for sure. It's it's a little challenging to do that, especially with the standardized testing, but just knowing the standards that they need to that I need to cover. Um, having that in the back of my mind, I can ask questions that will guide students to specific skills that they need to know. So one maybe distinction is 
when you're thinking about learning this way, you become a designer of learning experiences rather than a conveyor of information. Absolutely. I'm a facilitator. And so as you as you look at the curriculum now, instead of thinking, how do I tell kids this information, you're instead asking yourself a different set of questions, like how can I create an experience where kids can uncover or experience or discover this information on their own? Absolutely. I have some guiding questions. We'll take the, the content standards and put those into questions that would lead them into the, but it's all, it's all them trying to discover and taking charge and being independent. When do you know that it's really happening? What do you see in your classroom when you can tell like this, yeah. I, I really hit it. Like this is an owl pellet moment yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> the, the sparkle in their eyes, the ahas, the, hey, oh my gosh, come here, Mrs. Bell. I want you to see this. Just the excitement. And I wonder how applicable is this to older kids? I mean, you're working with younger kids and mm -hmm. children get excited and maybe there's a natural enthusiasm or energy that kids mm -hmm. bring to learning. Is it realistic to think that that same kind of enthusiasm can happen in a middle school or a high school classroom? Absolutely. Whenever someone feels as though they're in charge of their, of their destiny, then that will help them. If someone thinks it's their idea, I, I always do better when I know it's my idea, or yeah. I'll try that with my own children at home. I'll say, well, somehow I have to make it his idea that he... <laughs> <laughs> that, he that he wanted Brussels sprouts. Exactly. <laughs> he, he wanted these Brussels sprouts. You need these, right? <laughs> um, so anytime you can put frame it in that way, it yeah. would help the person. Yeah, and this idea of uncovering, of, of having something that you are taking apart, discovering, mm -hmm. making sense of, creating for mm -hmm. yourself. I feel like anytime a kid has that kind of creative authorship, you give up a certain control as a teacher by giving a kid that control, but it's still within the context of the lesson or the learning. Yeah, it's way better, actually, because you get to sit back and, and celebrate with them. It's not you doing the work, you know, make the students work harder than you. You've completed sixth grade science. It's funny that you say that. I just watched a documentary called Beyond Measure, and it was talking about schooling going beyond the standardized testing regiment that we have. And one of the kids in, it was at High Tech High School in San Diego, and she was reflecting on how High Tech High is different from the high school that she had gone to prior to that in a mm -hmm. kind of a upper middle class suburban neighborhood. And she said, you know, in my old school, it seemed like the teachers did a lot of the thinking for us. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that is a really heavy thing to say, yeah. uh, that she was basically watching the teachers do the thinking and she wasn't at high tech high. She was having the experience of doing the thinking herself. Mm -hmm. And that's a, what an enormous shift. Huge shift. And that's, that's what happened with me. I was doing the thinking. I wasn't being told what to do. I just was handed the supplies and said, tell me you know, what you can tell me about owls based on this owl pellet. So really gave me ownership. Can you think of specific favorite lessons or favorite projects you've created that have been inspired by this, mm. by this approach to learning uh, where you've, Maybe the, those lessons or projects where you think, oh, this is, I, I love doing this because kids come alive mm -hmm. when they get this opportunity. Anytime I do something science related, it's, it's always this way. For instance, when we're learning about landforms, when I taught fourth grade, we, <laughs> the custodians weren't very happy with me, <laughs> but we had sand and they were creating different, I actually, I did this with Zach. It was, um... We were talking about erosion and um, flooding and just just exploring that. So it was it was a mess. Lots of sand and water, <laughs> but but you know the students, you know they would try to um, they were experimenting with landslides and and seeing how how the water moves and what happens during erosion. 
they were getting to they were getting to be in charge of the weather they they absolutely were they yeah. were discovering it on their own yeah and w- when you look back on your career can you imagine i mean this is a this is a thought experiment i suppose but can you imagine what kind of teacher would you have been or how would you have been different as a teacher had that lesson in that methods class never happened i know i i think about it all the time actually and and it one of the reasons why i'm really nervous about being here today is just knowing that one little thing that i say or do can really have an impact on somebody and i want to make sure that i have positive impacts on people but yeah it's mind-blowing i think it's really difficult because people often say we teach how we were taught no and it's it's easy to kind of like be you know well that's what i know that's what i've seen Mm -hmm. and you had this moment in a way it's almost like the one moment that you Mm -hmm. weren't taught that way was like ah this is is science (laughs) this is science this is this is this is learning this is discovery this is this is what learning is all about it's asking my own questions and discovering and researching and something that appeals to me it's really challenging i think because teachers have a sense that the most important thing that we have to do is to get make sure students know certain things Mm. and i think when we get into that knowledge trap it's like well the fastest way for me to get knowledge to you is to just tell it to you really fast like the more we only have so much time and i can tell you so much stuff but it's this kind of like these dispositions or this approach mm-hmm. that's really different. It takes more time. You can't get through as much content, but it's it's the the stuff that kind of resonates with you in terms of how you approach a whole field of study. Sure. I always encourage my students, I, I tell them, I want them to know that they they can do it. You know, if it matters to them, they'll do it. And they're capable of it and I'm there to support them and I can help them. And we have resources within the district who could help us, you know. Um, this is all about their experience, not mine. So if you think about the difference between experiential learning, like we're discussing, and, and maybe more traditional learning, what would you say would be the long-term impact for kids of having more experiences, more sense of uh, ownership, and more creative authorship in their, in their education? Th- that, that was the key there, ownership, the independence, just knowing it's okay to have questions. That's how we learn. Um, and if you don't know the answer, it's okay. You know, you, you have to work to find that answer. Yeah, I think about if we extend this out over 12 or 13 years of education, mm-hmm. and we think, how would a child turn out to be different if most of their education was filled with experiences where they were had this kind of authorship or ownership versus if they had an education that involved very little or none of that? Absolutely agree. I I I look back at my own children and and think, gee, I wish, you know, they they had that in them. But what do you think they would have more of if they had had more experiences like that, more authorship experience in their own education? I feel like they would um, maybe be more motivated to, to see to find a purpose for learning something. Not just it's not just someone's going to tell me what this is. This is all about discovering it. That's a really powerful thing when I think about it because we talk about lifelong learners and developing lifelong learners. And I think if we rely too much on methods that leave students passive as receivers of Mm -hmm. information, then sort of they are likely to become adults who are passively waiting Mm -hmm. for something to show up for them. And if we create a a world where they are in charge and where they're curious Mm -hmm. and where they're authoring their own education, they'll be doing that when when we're not there. Yes. And, And we need them to do that. Which is why we need to support them now in that. Yeah, if we're going to solve the world's problems, I mean, nobody's <laughs> going to solve global climate change because yeah. they know something. They're going to have no. to. They're going to have to do something. Yeah. So when you look 
to the future. What do you hope for in the remainder of your career, the time you have left? You've been at this for how many years now? 27. Okay, so you're a veteran. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I know. I tell people, I'm a veteran. That's a nice way of saying I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's interesting as we're talking about retirement now, I have about at least eight more years. Um, I, I just want my students to know that they are capable and I, I am more of a mentor to them. Um, sure I can give, give them information, but they, they need to discover that on their own. And especially the students I'm working with now. Um, well, actually any student deserves that. Any, any child. Absolutely. Well, it's been such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. It's exciting. And I know whatever... I should write a, a thank you letter to that uh, professor who got you the outbounds because my son got to spend a year <laughs> yeah. doing some amazing learning with you. No, and I think thank you. all the kids uh, in the Bexley City Schools who have had the benefit of having you as a teacher have probably benefited from that aha moment that some professor gave you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. I wish you the best and thanks for spending no, time with me thank today. Thank you. This was, this was fun. Experience Matters is recorded in Bexley, Ohio, in the shadow of downtown Columbus. Our producer and sound engineer is Ezra Lewis, a junior at Bexley High School. Our killer theme music was written and performed by Isaac Rowe, a Bexley High School graduate and current music student at The Ohio State University. Experience Matters is supported by the Bexley Community Foundation and the Bexley Public Library. My name is Steve Shapiro, and you can look me up on Twitter at Stephen T. Shapiro or on my website at stephentshapiro.com. Here's a secret to life that I've shared with thousands of students and, of course, with my own children. There is no such thing as an interesting person. There are just people who do interesting things. You can be one of them. All you have to do is seek out and say yes to new experiences.